Well, Jeeves, this certainly is exciting. On the wireless, what? Quite, sir. Most frighteningly modern, wouldn't you say? Indeed, sir. Positively postmodern, matter of fact. I do hate to quibble with you, sir, but I believe postmodernism generally refers to an intellectual and artistic movement originating in the mid-twentieth century, rather than any particular level of technical modernity, sir. I'll be dashed. Does it really? Yes, sir. However... However? If, sir, you wish to comment upon the fact that we are self-referentially opening this podcast episode as anachronistic versions of ourselves, that may indeed be considered postmodern, sir. I think that's enough about postmodernism, Jeeves. Very good, sir. Now time to open the program, you say? Indeed, sir. Well, all right then. And a one, and a two, and a skippity-diddly-doo. Amina Hamid Productions proudly presents a wireless staging of Right Ho Jeeves, adapted from the book by P.G. Woodhouse. Here we are, what? Yes, sir. I mean to say, home again. Precisely, sir. It seems ages since I went away. Yes, sir. Quite a trip it was too, I don't mind saying. Indeed, sir. Oh, yes, Jeeves. Positively pilgrimous. Let's see, there was, uh, there was, um, oh, there was self, uh, Aunt Dahlia, cousin Angela, old Tuppy Glossop, Angela's betrothed, you know, should have been along, but he, uh, he couldn't make it, poor chap. And anyway, there we were, and yes, I'd see, now, gosh, what a trip. Well, Aunt Dahlia lost her shirt at background. Angela nearly uh, was devoured by a shark while aquaplaning. All in all, quite fun. Well, what about, what about, what about you then, Jeeves, stuck here on the, uh, home front? Have a good time at Ascot? Most agreeable, sir. No, win anything? Quite a satisfactory sum, thank you, sir. Oh, good, good, Jeeves, uh... What uh, news on the Rianto? Anybody been uh, phoning or calling or anything during my absence? Mr. Finknottle, sir, has been a frequent caller. Oh, good, good. Hang on, Mr. Finknottle? Yes, sir. You, you don't mean Mr. Finknottle? Yes, sir. But Mr. Finknottle's not in London. Yes, sir. Well, I blowed, Jeeves, simply blowed. It must be five years since he was in London. He makes no secret of the fact that the place gives him the pip. Stays in the country mostly with his newts. Sir? Newts, Jeeves. Mr. Fignottle has a strong newt complex. You must have heard of newts. There's little sort of lizard things that charge about in ponds. Oh, yes, sir. The aquatic members of the family Salamandridae, which constitute the genus Molgi. Uh, yes, quite. Well, um, Gussie has always been a slave to them. He used to keep them at school, and now they run his life. Fancy being a newt addict. One shudders. Yeah, at any rate, for the last five years, he's been most utterly stuck down in Lincolnshire, as confirmed a species-shunning hermit has ever put fresh water in the tank every second day and refused to see a soul. Hence my amazement when you told me he had suddenly risen to the surface like this. I still can't believe it. I'm inclined to think there must be some mistake, and uh, this bird who has been calling here is some different variety of Fignottle. Jack, I know, wears horned-room spectacles and has a face like a fish. How does that check up with your data? The gentleman who came to the flat wore horn-rimmed spectacles, sir. And looked like something on a slab? Possibly. There was a certain suggestion of the Piscine, sir. Yeah, well, it must be Gussie, I suppose. But what on earth can have brought him up to London? I am in a position to explain that, sir. Mr. Finknottle confided to me his motive in visiting the metropolis. He came because the young lady is here. Young lady? Yes, sir. You don't mean he's in love? Yes, sir. Well, I'm dashed, Jeeves. I'm really dashed. 
I positively am dashed, Jeeves. You did say lady, yes? Indeed I did, sir. And you didn't say lady and mean new prospective newt farm, did you, Jeeves? I am unconscious of such an error, sir. What's he haunting my abode for? Why come stalking after me? No, sir. Mr. Finknottle did not call to see you, sir. Oh, pull yourself together, Jeeves. You just told me that this is what he has been doing, and assiduously at that. It was I with whom he was desirous of establishing communication, sir. You? I don't know you'd ever met him. I had not had that pleasure until he called here, sir. But it appears that Mr. Finknottle had received recommendations from various sources in your circle of mutual acquaintances to place his affairs in my hands. Ah, ah, I see. Your reputation precedes me once again, hey, Jeeves. So you're acting for him, eh? And what's his trouble? Well, sir, it's a similar matter to some we've encountered in the past. Namely, a gentleman wishing to court a lady who suffers, on the occasion of said courting's commencement, a rooted diffidence which makes it impossible for him to speak. Ah, yes, I recall the type of thing. I recollect you saying the chap was uh, letting... What was it? Letting something uh, do something. Cats entered into it, if I'm not mistaken. Letting I dare not wait upon I would, sir. No, that's right. How about the cat? Like the poor cat in the adage, sir. Exactly. It beats me how you think of these things. And, and Gussie, you say, is in the same position? Yes, sir. Each time he endeavours to formulate a proposal of marriage, his courage fails him. And yet if he wants this female to be his wife, he's got to say so, what? I mean, only civil to mention it. Precisely, sir. Any clue as to the uh, nature or nomenclature of said fair maiden? She is a Miss Bassett, sir. Miss Madeline Bassett. Bassett? Egads, Jeeves, it's a small world, isn't it? The young lady is an acquaintance of yours, sir. I know her well, Jeeves. She was with us at a card. Your news has relieved my mind, Jeeves. It makes the whole thing begin to seem far more like a practical working proposition. Indeed, sir. Absolutely. I confess that until you supplied this information, I was feeling profoundly dubious about poor old Gus's chances of inducing any spinster of any parish to join him in the saunter down the aisle. You will agree with me that he is not everybody's money. There may be something in what you say, sir. Cleopatra wouldn't have liked him. Possibly not, sir. But when you tell me that the object of his affections is Miss Bassett, why, then Jeeves' hope begins to dawn a bit. He's just the sort of chap a girl like Madeline Bassett might scoop in with relish. As I say, she counted as company in Khan, thus granting the opportunity for close personal study, and, well, Jeeves, they'd, uh, they'd fashion quite a pair. Indeed, sir. Oh, yes, Jeeves. He down with the newts and she off with the fairies. I don't want to wrong anybody, so I won't go so far as to say that she actually wrote poetry, but, well... I- I mean to say, when a girl suddenly asks you if you feel that the stars are God's daisy chain... Indeed, sir. Not my type, it should suffice to say. However, as regards Gussie... His dreamy disposition makes a suitable match, in your view, sir. A good thing to be pushed along with the utmost energy. Strain every nerve, Jeeves. Very good, sir. I will attend to the matter at once. Jeeves, I see you've discovered my mess jacket. Rather dashing, isn't it? What with the uh, the white and the brass buttons and what have you. You... you wore this garment, sir? Why, yes, Jeeves. On your body, sir? Should I have worn it spiritually, Jeeves? But surely you are not proposing to wear it in England, sir? Yes, Jeeves. But, sir... You were saying, Jeeves? It is most unsuitable, sir. Nonsense, Jeeves. Nonsense. It was the height of fashion at Khan... 
And as regards Pongo Twistleton's birthday party tomorrow night, at any further social occasions, I anticipate a great popular success for this jacket. No argument, Chief. No discussion. Whatever fantastic objection you may have taken to it, I wear this jacket. Very good, sir. Well then, Jeeves, seeing as I'm off to the drones club for dinner, why don't you take the night off and have a spot of ballyhoo around town, what? Thank you, sir. I will remain in. Is this dungeon, Jeeves? No, sir. I'm obliged to remain on the premises. Mr. Finknottle informed me he would be calling to see me this evening. Oh, Gus is coming, is he? Well, uh, give him my love. Very good, sir. And a whiskey and a soda and so forth. Very good, sir. Right, oh, Jeeves. Jeeves, a delightful spot of dinner. Ran into Pongo, get me for a bit. Hence the tardiness. I, good lord. Uh, hello, Bertie. Good evening, sir. Hello, Jeeves, Gussie, old um, Fink. Not all you. That, that's certainly an interesting set of vestments you're sporting. Is, is there um, is there any particular reason you're dressed up as Mephistopheles? Oh, yes. Well, good. Glad that's that, then. Have a spot. Oh, no, thanks. I'll be off in a minute. I just came round to ask Jeeves how I looked. How do you think I look, Bertie? Significant. I, um, I, I understand you're in London. So they tell me. Well, it must be years since it came up last. Uh, oh, yes. And now you're off for an evening's pleasure. Pleasure? Oh, you aren't uh, looking forward to this rout or ever? Oh, I suppose it'll be all right. Anyway, I ought to be off, I suppose. The thing starts round about eleven, and I told my cab to wait. Will you see if it's there, Jeeves? Very good, sir. Well. 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 Well, Lingley Wellington. Well. Well, well, well. Well, 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 well. Well, Gussie. I've been hearing a lot about you lately. Oh? Oh, yes, this uh, this uh, little trouble of yours. Jeeves has told me everything. And I should like to note that Madeline Bassett is a charming girl, a winner, and just the sort for you. You don't know her? Oh, certainly I know her. What beats me is how you ever got in touch. Where did you meet? Uh, oh, she was staying at a place near mine in Lincolnshire the week before last. Uh, I met her out for a walk with her dog, and the dog had got a thorn in its foot, and when she tried to take it out, it, it snapped at her. So, uh, of course, I had to rally round. Ah, you you extracted the thorn? Y- yes. And fell in love at first sight? Yes. How oh, dash it, with a thing like that to give you a send-off, why didn't you cash in immediately? I, I hadn't the nerve. What happened? We, we talked for a bit. What about? Oh, newts. Ah. Well, we must uh, see what can be done. Things may brighten. At any rate, you will be glad to learn that I am behind you in this enterprise. You have Bertram Worcester in your corner, Gussie. Oh, thanks, old man. And, and Jeeves, of course, which is the thing that really matters. Yes, yes, Jeeves, the, uh, the thing that really matters. And uh, what, pray tell, is said mattering thing doing about all this? He's been giving the position of affairs a lot of thought. Oh, yes, has he? Yes, it's on his advice that I'm going to this dance. Why? 
Well, she's going to be there. In fact, it was she who sent me the ticket of invitation. And Jeeves considered and, and concluded that he particularly wanted me to go as Mephistopheles. Oh, he did, did he? He specifically recommended that definite costume. Yes. Ha! Uh -huh. Nothing, nothing. Just ha! So, do pray tell his reason behind this uh, raiment-related resolution. Well, apparently it's all a matter of psychology. Jeeves is a great believer in the moral effects of clothes, and he thinks I might be emboldened in a striking costume like this. He, he said a pirate chief would be just as good. Well, in fact, a pirate chief was his first suggestion, but I objected to the boots. Yes, I do see the matter, Gussie. There is enough sadness in this world of ours without having to see you wearing pirate boots. Well, are you emboldened? Well, t to be absolutely accurate, Bertie, old man, no. B but it's my last chance of seeing her. She's off tomorrow to stay with some people in the country. Oh, besides, this idea of Jeeves may work yet. In a striking costume like Mephistopheles, I might quite easily pull off something pretty impressive. Colour does make a difference. You know, look at newts. During the courting season, the male newt is brilliantly coloured. It helps him a lot. But you aren't a male newt. Oh, I wish I were. Do you know how a male newt proposes, Bertie? He just stands in front of the female newt, vibrating his tail and bending his body in a semicircle. I could do that on my head. No, you won't find me grousing if I were a male newt. But if you were a male newt, Madeline Bassett wouldn't look at you. Not the eyes of love, I mean. She would. If she were a female newt. But she isn't a female newt. No, but, but suppose she was. If, if she was, you wouldn't be in love with her. Yes, I would. If I were a male newt. Mr Finknottle's cab is ready, sir. Right, yes, the cab. Uh, of course, yes, uh, rather. Uh, thanks, Jeeves. Well, so long, Bertie. Jeeves? May I speak frankly? Certainly, sir. What I have to say may wound you. Not at all, sir. Well, then... I've been having a chat with Mr. Fignottle, and he's been telling me about this Mephistopheles scheme of yours and its psychological origins and intent. But to put it mildly, I don't agree with you, Jeeves. No, sir. No, I do not. In fact, not to put too fine a point upon it, but I think that of all the dashed, silly, drivelling ideas I've ever heard, this is the most blithering and futile, and this is not the first time this sort of thing has happened. To be quite candid, Jeeves, I have frequently noticed before now a tendency or disposition on your part to become... What's the word? I could not say, sir. Eloquent? Well, it's not eloquent. Elusive? No, it's not elusive. It's on the tip of my tongue. It begins with an E and means a jolly sight too clever. Elaborate, sir. That is the exact word I was after. Too elaborate, Jeeves. That is what you are frequently prone to become. Your methods are not simple, not straightforward. You cloud the issue with a lot of fancy stuff that is not of the essence. All that Gussie needs is the elder brotherly advice of a seasoned man of the world. So what I suggest is that from now onward, you leave this case to me. Very good, sir. I shall no doubt think of something quite simple and straightforward, yet perfectly effective ere long, and I will make a point of seeing Gussie tomorrow. Very good, sir. Right-o, Jeeves. Service is there? Nope. Oh. Morning, Jeeves. Good morning, sir. Ah, sleep all right, did you? 
Most comfortably, thank you, sir. Telegram for you from your Aunt Dahlia, sir. Come at once, Travers. Perplexed. Explain. Perfect. What on earth is there to be perplexed about, ass? Come at once, Travers. How do you mean, come at once? Regards, Bertie. I mean, come at once, you maddening half-wit. What did you think I meant? Come at once or expect an aunt's curse first post tomorrow. Love, Travers. When you say come, do you mean come to Brinkley Court? And when you say at once, do you mean at once? Fogged. At a loss. All the best, Bertie. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. It doesn't matter whether you understand or not. You just come at once, as I tell you, and for heaven's sake, stop this bat-chat. Do you think I am made of money that I can afford to send you telegrams every ten minutes? Stop being a fathead and come immediately. Love, Travers. What do you make of it, Jeeves? I think Mrs. Travers wishes you to come at once, sir. Oh, you gather that too, do you? Yes, sir. Yes, that's what I thought as well, but, but, but why, Jeeves? Dash it all, she's just had nearly two months of me. Yes, And many people consider the medium dose for an adult two days. Yes, sir. I appreciate the point you raise. Nevertheless, Mrs. Travers appears very insistent. I think it would be well to acquiesce in her wishes. Pop down, you mean? Yes, sir. Yes, well, I certainly can't go at once. I have an important conference on at the drones tonight. Pongo Twistleton's birthday party, remember? Yes, sir. You're all wrong about that mess jacket, Jeeves. These things are matters of opinion, sir. When I wore it at the casino in the car, beautiful women nudged one another in and whispered, Who is he? The code at Continental Casinos is notoriously lax, sir. Oh, and I, when I described it to Pongo last night, he was fascinated. Indeed, sir. So were all the rest of those present. One and all admitted that I had got hold of a good thing, not a dissentient voice. Indeed, sir. I am mm, convinced that you will eventually learn to love. This mess jacket, Jeeves? I fear not, sir. Well, anyway, returning to the agenda, I can't go down to Brinkley Court or anywhere else yet a while. That's final. I'll tell you what, Jeeves, give me form and pencil and I'll wow her that I'll be with her sometime next week or the week thereafter. And that's all. She ought to be able to hold out without me for a few days. It only requires willpower. Yes, sir. Right, then. I'll wire, expect me tomorrow fortnight, or words to some such effect, that ought to meet the case. Then, if you will uh, trottle off around the corner and set it off, that'll be that. I, meanwhile, shall begin readying myself for this evening's bout of a revore. Very good, sir. Morning, Jeeves. Up already is a good man. Good Lord. Seven in the Anton Meridium, sun's setting up. I, uh, I, sh- I, sh- I shall require a bit of a lion, I, uh, I think. Very good, sir. Ah, good. Let's see, here on the table. Is this, is this mine, Jeeves? No, sir. It is Mrs. Travers. Mrs. Mrs. Travers? Aunt Dahlia, what are you? Bertie, you old ass! Ah! Oh, don't groan in that obscene fashion. I wonder, Bertie, if you have the faintest conception of how perfectly loathsome you look, a cross between a naughty scene in the movies and some low form of bond life. I suppose you are out on the tiles last night? I attended a social function, yes. Pongo Twistleton's birthday party. I couldn't let Pongo down. Noblesse oblige. Well, get up and dress. Get up and dress? Yes. What is this, Aunt Dahlia? 
You're all barging in and telling me to get up and dress and all that rot. I've barged in, as you call it, because my telegram seemed to produce no effect. And I told you to get up and dress because I want you to get up and dress. I've come to take you back with me. I've got a job for you. I don't want a job. What you want, my lad, and what you're going to get are two very different things. There is man's work for you to do at Brinkley Court. Be ready to the last button in 20 minutes. I can't possibly be ready to any buttons in 20 minutes. I'm feeling awful. Yes. I suppose it's only humane to give you a day or two to recover. All right, then. I shall expect you on the 30th at the latest. Besides, you needn't be all this upset. It's quite an easy, pleasant job. You will enjoy it. Have you ever heard of Market Snodsbury Grammar School? Never. It's a grammar school at Market Snodsbury. I don't say. Well, how was I to know that a mind like yours would grasp it so quickly? All right, then. Market Snodsbury Grammar School is, as you have guessed it, the grammar school at Market Snodsbury. I am one of the governors, and they left the arrangements for the summer prize-giving to me. The prize-giving takes place on the last day of this month. Have you got that clear? Yes, I follow you, yes. But what's it got to do with me? You're going to give away the prizes. Me? You. You don't mean me. I mean you in person. You're pulling my leg. I am not pulling your leg. Nothing would induce me to touch your beastly leg. The vicar was to have officiated, but when I got home I found a letter from him saying that he had strained a fetlock and must scratch his nomination. You can imagine the state I was in. I telephoned all over the place. Nobody would take it on. And then suddenly, I thought of you. Look, Aunt Dahlia... Given your present appearance, I'd much rather not. I I, I really don't think... I'm perfectly aware of that, young man. But you will do this for me, young Bertie. Oh, yes, you will. Or never darken my doors again. And you know what that means. No more of Anatoly's dinners for you. You wouldn't. I would. No more Anatoly than Mr. himself. I thought that would rattle you. Greedy young pig. Oh, greedy young pigs have nothing to do with it. One is not a greedy young pig because one appreciates the cooking of a genius. Well, I will say I like it myself. But not another bite of it do you get if you refuse to do this simple, easy, pleasant job. No, not so much as another sniff. So put that in your 12-inch cigarette holder and smoke it. Why do you want me? I mean, what am I? Ask yourself that. I often have. I mean to say I'm not the type... You have to have some terrific nib to give away prizes. I seem to remember when I was at school, it was generally a prime minister or somebody. Ah, but that was Eshan. At Market Snodsbury, we aren't nearly so choosy. Anybody in spats impresses us. Why did you get Uncle Tom? I will tell you why not, Uncle Tom. You remember me losing all that money at Baccarat and Cannes? Well, very shortly I shall have to sidle up to Tom and break the news to him. If right after that I ask him to put on lavender gloves and a topper and distribute the prizes at Market Snodsbury Grammar School, there will be a divorce in the family. No, my lad, you're for it. So you may as well make the best of it. Ah, Dahlia, listen to reason. I'm hopeless at a game like that. I was Jeeves about the time I got lugged into a dress of girls' school. I, I, I made the most colossal ass of myself. And I confidently anticipate that you will make an equally colossal ass of yourself on the 31st of this month. That's why I want you. The way I look at it is that, as the thing is bound to be a frost anyway, one may as well get a hearty laugh out of it. I shall enjoy seeing you distribute those prizes, Bertie. Well, I won't keep you as, no doubt, you want to do your Swedish exercises. I shall expect you in a day or two. <clears throat> Mr. Finknottle to see you, sir. Oh, no. Shall I bring him in, sir? Yes, yes, I, I suppose you'd better. 
But first, how did he make out at the fancy dress ball? He did not arrive at the fancy dress ball, sir. He, he, he didn't? No, sir. As I gather from Mr. Finknottle, he entered the cab convinced in his mind that the entertainment to which he had been invited was to be held at number 17 Suffolk Square, whereas the actual rendezvous was number 71 Norfolk Terrace. On reaching number 17 Suffolk Square, Mr. Finknottle endeavoured to produce money to pay the fare. What stopped him? The fact that he had no money, sir. He discovered that he had left it, together with his ticket of invitation, on the mantelpiece of his bedchamber in the house of his uncle, where he was residing. Bidding the cabman to wait, accordingly, he rang the doorbell, and when the butler appeared, requested him to pay the cab, adding that it was all right, as he was one of the guests invited to the dance. The butler then disclaimed all knowledge of a dance on the premises. And declined to unbelt? Yes, sir. Upon which... Mr. Finknottle directed the cabman to drive him back to his uncle's residence. Oh, why wasn't that the happy ending? All he had to do was go in, collect cash and ticket, and then there he would have been on velvet. I should have mentioned, sir, that Mr. Finknottle had also left his latchkey on the mantelpiece of his bedchamber. He had also given permission to the caretaker, the house was officially closed and all the staff on holiday, to visit his sailor's son at Portsmouth. Golly, Jeeves! Yes, sir. What happened then? Mr. Finknottle appears to have realised at this point that his position had become equivocal. The figures on the cabman's clock had already reached a substantial sum, and he was not in a position to meet his obligations. You could have explained. One cannot explain to cabmen, sir. I I should have legged it. That is the policy which appears to have commended itself to Mr. Finknottle. He darted rapidly away while the cabman snatched at his overcoat. Mr. Finknottle extricated himself from the coat, whereupon he emerged, clad, as you remember, in full satanic regalia. No doubt this came as something of a shock to the cabman, who promptly fainted. No doubt an uneducated, superstitious fellow, sir. Possibly a drinker. If it hadn't been one before, I'll bet he started shortly afterwards. What on earth did Gussie do after that? I mean, London late at night, or even during the daytime, for that matter, is no place for a man in scarlet tights. No, sir. He invites comment. Yes, sir. I can see him now ducking down side streets and... Diving into dustbins. I gathered from Mr. Finknottle's remarks, sir, that something very much on those lines was what occurred. Eventually, after a trying night, he found his way to a friend's residence, where he was able to secure lodging and a change of costume in the morning. Hmm. I suppose you realise, Jeeves, that this was all your fault. Sir? It's no good saying, sir. You know it was. If you had not insisted on his going to that dance, a mad project, as I spotted from the first, this would not have happened. Yes, sir, but I confess I did not anticipate... Always anticipate everything, Jeeves. It is the only way. However, we need not get into that now. If all this has shown you is what comes of going about the place in scarlet tights, then that is something gained. Now then, shoot Gussie in, will you? Of course, sir. Well, Gussie. Uh, hello, Bertie. What-ho? What-ho? I hear you, uh, you've been through it a bit. Yes. Thanks to Jeeves. It wasn't Jeeves's fault. Entirely Jeeves's fault. I don't see that. I forgot my money and, and my latch key. And... and now you'd better forget Jeeves, for you will be interested to hear, Gassy, that he is no longer handling your little problem. Uh, what? Yes. You don't mean that Jeeves isn't going to... No. Oh, but dash it. You will be much better off without him. The poor chap sprung a leak. 
and his metal corset too tight once his plugs decarbonized. I understand, of course, that this is no doubt a shock to you. I suppose you came here this morning to seek his advice. Of course I did. Hmm, and on what point? Uh, Madeline Bassett has gone to stay with these people in the country, and I-, I want to know what he thinks I ought to do. Well, as I say, Jeeves is off the case. Uh, but Bertie, dash it! Jeeves is no longer on the case. I am now in sole charge. Now sit down and let us confer. I'm bound to say the thing seems quite simple to me. You say this girl has gone to visit friends in the country. It would appear obvious to me that you must go there too and flock round her like a poultice. Elementary. But I don't know these people. I I don't know anybody. No details? No acquaintance? Uh, All that I know is that their name is Travers, and it's a place called uh, Brinkley Court down in Worcestershire. Aha! Gussie, it was a lucky day for you when Bertram Worcester interested himself in your affairs... As I foresaw from the off, I can fix everything. But, but Bertie, you don't you don't mean you know these Travises? They are my aunt, Dahlia. Oh, by Jove, Bertie, I don't know how to thank you. But, but what do I do when I get there? Oh, if you knew Brinkley Court, you would not ask that question. In those romantic surroundings you can't miss. Great lovers through the ages have fixed up the preliminary formalities at Brinkley. The place is simply ill with atmosphere. You stroll with a girl in the shady walks, you will... Sit with her on the shady lawns. You will row on the lake with her, and gradually you will find yourself working up to a point where... By Jove, I believe you're right. Of course I'm right. I've got engaged three times at Brinkley. Not intentionally, of course, nor did any of them lead to marriage. Still, that's three more times than I've ever gotten engaged anywhere else. Something in the air. Superb, Bertie, superb. What a bit of luck, this Travers woman turning out to be your aunt. I don't know what you mean, turning out to be my aunt. She's been my aunt all along. Uh, Oh, yes, but but the coincidence of it all boggles the mind. Makes one feel as a tadpole leaving the water to enter the semi-larval life of an eft for the first time. Quite. Uh, um, uh, there you go. Uh, telegram for my aunt, Darley, informing her that you're coming along in my stead to, uh, um... In your stead? General sense, old man, general sense. Now, push that off in the first post office you pass. She'll find it waiting for her on her return home. Uh Oh, Bertie, I can't thank you enough. I have a grand feeling about this. Toodaloo. There you are, Jeeves. Another satisfied customer, as the Americans do love to say. At the moment, as you are aware, Gussie is a mere jelly when in the presence of his lady love. But ask yourself. How will he feel in a week or so after he and she have been at Brinkley Court, helping themselves to sausages out of the same dish, cutting the same ham, ladling out the communal kidneys and bacon? Golly, Jeeves. Sir? Here's an instance of I have to think of everything. You heard me mention meatstuffs. Yes, sir. Well, there must be nothing of that. Fatal. The wrong note entirely. Give me that telegraph form and pencil. I must warn Gussie without delay. What he's got to do is create in this girl's mind the impression that he is pining for love of her. This cannot be done by wolfing sausages. No, sir. Very well, then. There you are. Take that to the pier, will you? Telegram warning Gussie to lay off the redder meats. Very good, sir. And now, Jeeves, I think I shall have a partial snooze. So much sagacity and selflessness now that does one in so early in the morning. Very good, sir. Apologise for waking you, sir, but this telegram has just arrived from Brinkley Court. 
am taking legal advice to ascertain whether strangling an idiot nephew counts as murder. If it doesn't, look out for yourself. Consider your conduct frozen limit. What do you mean by planting your loathsome friends on me like this? Do you think Brinkley Court is a leper colony or what is it? Who is this spink bottle? Love, Travers. Not bottle, not him. Regards, Bertie. Cipher telegram signed by you has reached me here. Runs, lay off the sausages, avoid the ham. Clearly secret code of some kind. Wire key immediately, Finknottle. Also kidneys, cheerio, Bertie. Well, this friend of yours has got here, and I must say that for a friend of yours, he seems less subhuman than I had expected. A bit of a pop-eyed bleater, but on the whole, clean and civil, and certainly most informative about newts. I'm considering arranging series of lectures for him in the neighbourhood. All the same, I like your nerve using my house as a summer hotel resort, and shall have much to say to you on the subject when you come down. Expect you 30th. Bring spats. Love, Travers. On consulting engagement book, find impossible come Brinkley Court. Deeply regret to glue, birthday. Oh, so it's like that, is it? You and your engagement book, indeed. Deeply regret my foot. Let me tell you, my lad, that you will regret it a jolly sight more deeply if you don't come down. If you imagine for one moment that you are going to get out of distributing those prizes, you are very much mistaken. Deeply regret Brinkley Court, hundred miles from London, as unable to hit you with brick. Love, Travers. No, but dash it, listen, honestly, you don't want me. Get Think Not All Distribute Prizes. Born distributor who will do you credit. Confidently anticipate Augustus Think Not All as Master of Revels on 31st. Would make genuine sensation. Do not miss this great chance which may never occur again. Dickety donk, Bertie. Well, all right. Something in what you say, I suppose. Consider you treacherous worm and contemptible spineless cowardly custard, but have booked Spink Bottle. Stay where you are, then, and I hope you get run over by an omnibus. Love, Travers. <sighs> Another telegram for you, sir. Yeah, let me see. Oh, my word. Sir? Jeez, you know my cousin Angela? Yes, sir. You know young Toppy Glossop? Yes, sir. They've broken off their engagement. <laughs> My dear, be reasonable. This is all so sudden. Yes, Tuppy was a tad fat-headed, but that's hardly anything new. Goodness, my girl, if it's reason you're after, you're better off for swearing men altogether and becoming a... a friend of Emily. A what? An Amazon. You know, a, a Uranian. She of the alternative life path. You could have just said none. I was trying to be delicate. Look, the point stands. You knew what you were in for with Glossop. Don't go rushing off like this. Knew what I was in for? Phooey. You know damn well he was being especially impudent and condescending. And for a man in his position, it's hardly something he can afford to do. What position? Seated, usually, and breathing heavily. Angela. No, mother. I'm sorry, but my mind is made up. There exists neither in heaven nor hell any power which could persuade me to take that abominable glossop back in my arms. No power at all. <clears throat> Pardon me, ma'am. Mr. Wooster has arrived. Thank you, Seppings. Well, the boy can move when he wants to. Aren't you going to come greet your cousin, Angela? Not just yet, mother. I'm going to conduct an experiment. An experiment? Oh, yes. 
I intend to toddle over to Farmer Barrett's pigsty with my new camera and photograph the top three specimens which most closely resemble Glossop. Toodaloo. How very mature. Have fun. I shall. Mr. Wooster for your mom. There she is, aunt of my heart and apple of my eye. Oh, do shut it. Still, decent of you to rally round, Bertie. My place was by your side, Aunt Dahlia. Bad show, this, my dear old flesh and blood. I'm afraid you've been having a sticky time. You must be worried. <laughs> worried is right. I haven't had a peaceful moment since I got back from Khan. Ever since I put my foot across this blasted threshold, everything has been at sixes and sevens. First, there was that mix-up about the prize-giving. I had been meaning to speak freely to you about your behaviour in that matter, Bertie. I had some good things all stored up. But... As you've rallied around like this, I suppose I shall have to let you off. And anyway, it is probably all for the best that you had evaded your obligations in that sickeningly craven way. I have an idea that this spink bottle of yours is going to be good. If only he can keep off newts. Oh, has he he been talking about newts? He has. Fixing me with a glittering eye like the ancient mariner. But if that was the worst I had to bear, I wouldn't mind. What I'm worrying about is what Tom says when he starts talking. I shall have to tell him soon about losing all that money at Baccarat. And when I do, he'll go up like a rocket. Now, still, no doubt, time the great healer... Time the great healer be blowed. I've got to get a cheque for £500 out of him for Milady's boudoir by August the 3rd at the latest. Oh, that little magazine of yours, is it? Is the boudoir on the rocks? It will be if Tom doesn't cough up. It needs help till it has turned the corner. Wasn't it turning the corner two years ago? It was, and it's still at it. Till you've run a weekly paper for women, you don't know what corners are. And do you think the chances of getting into Uncle Tom's ribs are slight? I'll tell you, Bertie. Up till now, when these subsidies were required, I have always been able to come to Tom in the gay, confident spirit of an only child, touching an indulgent father for chocolate cream. But he's just had a demand from the income tax people for an additional £58, one and threepence. And all he's been talking about since I got back has been ruin and the sinister trend of socialistic legislation and what would become of us all. If it wasn't for Anatoly's cooking, I doubt if he would bother to carry on. Thank God for Anatoly, I say. Good old Anatoly. Amen. But don't let me wander from the subject. I was telling you of the way Hell's foundations have been quivering since I got home. First the prize-giving, then Tom, and now, on top of everything else, this infernal quarrel between Angela and young Glossop. I was frightfully sorry to hear of that terrible shock. What was the row about? Sharks. Eh? Sharks. Or rather, one individual shark. The brute that went for the poor child when she was aquaplaning at Cannes. You remember Angela Shark? I remember the whole incident vividly. Delightful day out. But how how did that start the trouble? She was telling him the story last night. Well? Her eyes shining and her little hands clasped in girlish excitement. Oh, no doubt. And instead of giving her the understanding and sympathy to which she was entitled, what do you think this blasted Glossop did? He sat listening like a lump of dough as if she had been talking about the weather, and when she had finished, he took his cigarette holder out of his mouth and said, I expect it was only a floating log. He didn't. He did. And when Angela described how the thing had jumped and snapped at her, he took his cigarette holder out of his mouth again and said, Ah, probably a flatfish. Quite harmless. No doubt it was just trying to play. Well, I mean, what would you have done if you had been Angela? She has pride, sensibility, all the natural feelings of a good woman. She told him he was an ass and a fool and an idiot, and didn't know what he was talking about. Oh, did you mean that when he saw how shirty she was about it, the chump didn't back down? He didn't. He argued. 
And one thing led to another until, by easy stages, they had arrived at the point where she was saying that she didn't know if he was aware of it, but if he didn't knock off starchy foods and do exercises every morning, he would be getting up as fat as a pig. And he was talking about this modern habit of girls putting makeup on their faces, of which he had always disapproved. This continued for a while, and then there was a loud pop, and the air was full of mangled fragments of their engagement. I'm distracted about it. Thank goodness you've come, Bertie. Oh, nothing could have kept me away. I felt you needed me. Yes. Quite. Oh, rather, not you, of course, but Jeeves. The minute all this happened, I thought of him. The situation obviously cries out for Jeeves. If ever in the whole history of human affairs there was a moment when that lofty brain was required about the home, this is it. Jeeves! Gesundheit. I was not sneezing, I was saying Jeeves! And well you may, what a man. I'm going to put the whole thing up to him. There's nobody like Jeeves. I venture to take issue with you, Aunt Dahlia. You take what? Issue. You do, do you? I emphatically do. Jeeves is hopeless. What? Quite hopeless. He has lost his grip completely. Only a couple of days ago, I was compelled to take him off a case because his handling of it was so footling. And anyway, I resent this assumption, if assumption is the word I want, that Jeeves is the only fellow with a brain. I object to the way everybody puts things up to him without consulting me and letting me have a stab at them first. It is true that in the past I have sometimes seen fit to take Jesus' advice, and it is possible that in the future I may seek it again. But I claim the right to have a pop at these problems as they arise, in person, and I think everybody would behave as if Jeeves was the only onion in the hash. I sometimes feel that Jeeves, though admittedly not unsuccessful in the past, has been lucky rather than gifted. Have you and Jeeves had a row? Nothing of the kind. You seem to have it in for him. Oh, not at all. Cordial as ever. Even though, on the way down here to rally round you, he purposefully and maliciously neglected to pack my most extraordinary mess jacket, and it was only through seizing it for myself that I was able to ensure its safe passage here. What on earth are you blathering about? Oh, nothing, nothing, nothing. There's been no breach. Describe it as passing coolness, but no more, no more. We did not happen to see eye to eye with regard to my white mess jacket with the brass buttons, and I was compelled to assert my personality. That's well, it doesn't matter anyway. The thing that matters is that you are talking piffle, you poor fish. Jeeves? Lost his grip? Absurd. Why, I saw him for a moment when he arrived, and his eyes were absolutely glittering with intelligence. I said to myself, trust Jeeves. And I intend to. You'd be far better advised to let me see what I can accomplish, Aunt Dahlia. For heaven's sake, don't you start butting in. You'll only make matters worse. Oh, on the contrary, it may interest you to know that while driving here, I concentrated deeply on this trouble of Angela's and was successful in formulating a plan based on the psychology of the individual, which I'm proposing to put into effect at an early moment. Oh, my God. My knowledge of human nature tells me it will work. Bertie, lay off. For pity's sake, lay off. I know these plans of yours. I suppose you want to shove Angela into the lake and push young Glossop in after her to save her life, or something like that. Nothing of the kind. It's the sort of thing you would do. Oh, my scheme is far more subtle. Let me outline it for you. No, thanks. I say to myself... But not to me. listen for a second. I won't. Right over. then. I am dumb. And have been from a child. Very well, Aunt Dahlia. If you don't want to be on the ground floor, this is your affair, but you are missing an intellectual treat. Bertie, you abysmal chump. I appeal to you once more. Will you please lay off? You'll only make things ten times as bad as they are already. We shall see about that, my dear old flesh and blood. Indeed, we shall. That is precisely what I am afraid of. 
Tuppy old man. Thought I'd find you around here. What, oh then? What are you doing here, Bertie? What do you mean? Just passing through or come to stay? It all depends. I may remain. I may push on. My plans are uncertain. You've heard of this business of mine, I suppose. Me and Angela. I have indeed, Tuppy old man. We've bust up. I know. Some little friction, I gather, in regarding Angela's shark. Yes, I said it must have been a flatfish. So my informant told me. Who did you hear it from? Aunt Dahlia. I suppose she cursed me properly. No, 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 no. Beyond referring to you in one passage as this blasted glossop, she was, I thought, singularly temperate in her language for a woman who at one time hunted regularly with a corn. All the same, I could see, if you don't mind me saying so, old man, that she, she felt you might have behaved with a little more tact. Tact? And I must admit that I rather agreed with her. Was it nice, Tuppy? Was it quite kind to take the bloom off Angela's shark like that? You must remember that Angela's shark is very dear to her. Could you not see what a sock on the jaw it would be to the poor child to hear it described by the man to whom she had given her heart as a flatfish? And, and what about my side of the thing? Your side? You don't suppose that I would have exposed this dashed synthetic shark for the flatfish it undoubtedly was if there had not been causes that led up to it? What induced me to speak as I did was the fact that Angela, the little squirt, had just been most offensive, and I seized the opportunity to get a bit of my own back. Offensive? Exceedingly offensive. Purely on the strength of my having let fall some casual remark. Simply by way of saying something and keeping the conversation going. To the effect that I wondered what Anatole was going to give us for dinner. She said that I was too material and ought not to always be thinking of food. Material my elbow! As a matter of fact, I'm particularly spiritual. Quite. I don't see any harm in wondering what Anatole was going to give us for dinner. Do you? Of course not. A mere ordinary tribute of respect to a great artist. Exactly. All the same... Well? I I was only going to say that it seems a pity that the frail craft of love should come asunder like this with only a few manly words of contrition. You aren't suggesting that I should climb down? It would be the fine big thing, old egg. No. It is too late. Remarks have been passed about my tummy, which it is impossible to overlook. But tummy, I mean tuppy, be fair. She's broken-hearted about this rift. How do you know? Have you seen her? No, I'll bet she is. She doesn't look it. Wearing the mask, no doubt. Jeeves does that when I assert my authority. She wrinkles her nose at me as if I were a drain that had got out of order. Oh, merely the mask. I feel convinced she loves you still, and that a kindly word from you is all that is required. Do you really think that? Absolutely. If you were to go to oh, her... I can't do that. It would be fatal. Bing. Instantly would go my prestige. I know girls. Grovel and the best of them get uppish. The only way to work the thing would be by tipping her off in some indirect way that I am prepared to open negotiations. Should I sigh a bit when we meet, do you think? I should think it was short of breath. That's true. I've got it, Tuppy. There is one infallible method of indicating to a girl that you love her, and it works just as well when you've had a row and want to make it up. Don't eat any dinner tonight. 
You can see how impressive that would be. She knows I devoted you out to food. I am not devoted to food. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I am not devoted to food at all. Quite, quite. All I meant was... Uh, this uh, rot about me being devoted to food has got to stop. I am young and healthy and have a good appetite, but that is not the same as being devoted to food. I admire Anatole as a master of his craft and am always willing to consider anything he may put before me. But when you say I am devoted to food... Quite, quite, quite. All I meant was that if she sees you push away your dinner untasted, she will realise that your heart is aching. And probably be the first to suggest blowing the all clear. Push my dinner away, eh? Yes. Push away a dinner cooked by Anatole. Yes. Push it away untasted? Yes. Let's get this straight. Tonight at dinner, when the butler offers me a riz de vue a la financier or whatever it may be hot from Anatole's hands, you wish me to push it away untasted? Yes. All right. You'll do it? I will. Fine. Of course. It will be agony. Only for the moment. You could slip down tonight after everyone is in bed and raid the larder. Oh, that's right. I could, couldn't I? I expect there'd be something cold there. There is something cold there. A steak and kidney pie. We had it for lunch today. One of Anatoly's ripest. See, the thing I admire so enormously about Anatoly is that, though a Frenchman, he does not, like so many of these chefs, confine himself exclusively to French dishes, but is always willing and ready to weigh in with some good old simple English fare, such as the steak and kidney pie to which I have alluded. A masterly pie, Bertie, and it wasn't more than half finished. It will do me nicely. And at dinner you will push as arranged? Absolutely as arranged. Fine. It's an excellent idea. One of Jeeves' best. You can tell him from me when you see him that I'm much obliged. You aren't suggesting that you think the scheme I've been sketching out is Jeeves's? Of course it is. It's no good trying to kid me, Bert. You wouldn't have thought of a wheeze like that in a million years. Come, Glossop. We'd better be going. It's time we were dressing for dinner. Good evening, sir. Good evening, Jeeves. I trust you had a pleasant drive, sir. Very pleasant, thank you, Jeeves. Hand me a sock or two, will you? Yes, sir. Well, Jeeves, here we are again at Brinkley Court in the county of Worcestershire. Yes, sir. Nice mess things seem to have gone and got themselves into in this rustic joint. Yes, sir. The rift between Tuppy Glossop and my cousin Angela would appear to be serious. Opinion in the servants' hall is inclined to take a grave view of the situation. And the thought that springs to your mind, no doubt, is that I shall have my work cut out to fix things up? Yes, sir. You are wrong, Jeeves. I have the thing well in hand. You surprise me, sir. I thought I should. Yes, Jeeves, I pondered on the matter most of the way down here, and with the happiest results, I have just been in conference with Mr. Glossop, and everything is taped out. Indeed, sir. Might I inquire... Oh, you know my methods, Jeeves. Apply them. Have you uh, been gnawing on the thing at all? Oh, yes, sir. I have always been much attached to Miss Angela, and I felt that it would afford me great pleasure were I to be able to be of service to her. Well, laudable sentiment. But I suppose you drew blank. No, sir. I was rewarded with an idea. Oh, well, well, what was it? It occurred to me that a reconciliation might be effected between Mr. Glossop and Miss Angela by appealing to that instinct which prompts gentlemen in time of peril to hasten to the rescue the of... gads, Jeeves! Don't tell me you were contemplating descending to that old he saved her from drowning gag. No, I am surprised, Jeeves. Surprised and pained. 
When I was discussing the matter with Aunt Dahlia on my arrival, she said in a sniffy sort of way that she supposed I was going to shove my cousin Angela into the lake and push Tuppy into all her out. Now, I let her see pretty clearly that I considered the suggestion an insult to my intelligence. And now, if your words have the meaning I read into them, you are mooting precisely the same drivelling scheme, really, Jeeves. No, sir, not that. But the thought did cross my mind as I walked in the grounds and passed the building where the fire bell hangs, that a sudden alarm of fire in the night might result in Mr. Glossop endeavouring to assist Miss Angela to safety. Rotten, Jeeves. Well, sir... No good. Not a bit of it. I fancy, sir... No, Jeeves, no more. Enough has been said. A bit elaborate. You're all failing. You can see that it's a bit elaborate? Possibly the plan I suggested might be considered open to that criticism, sir, but... Faute de mieux. I don't get you, Jeeves. A French expression, sir, signifying for want of anything better. I understand perfectly well what faute de mieux means, Jeeves. I did not recently spend two months amongst our Gallic neighbours for nothing. Besides, I remember that one from school. And what caused my bewilderment was that you should be employing the expression, knowing well that there is no ballet faute de mieux about it at all. Where do you get that faute de mieux stuff? Didn't I tell you about everything taped out? Yes, sir, but... What do you mean... But... Well, sir... Push on, Jeeves. I am ready, even anxious, to hear your views. Well, sir, if I may take the liberty of reminding you of it, your plans in the past have not always been uniformly successful. Hmm. It is true, Jeeves, that once or twice in the past I may have missed the bus... This, however, I attribute purely to bad luck. Indeed, sir. On the present occasion, I shall not fail, and I'll tell you why I shall not fail. Because my scheme is rooted in human nature. Indeed, sir. It is simple, not elaborate, and furthermore based on the uh, the psychology of the individual. Indeed, sir. Jeeves, don't keep saying indeed, sir. No doubt nothing is further from your mind than to convey such a suggestion, but you have a way of stressing the in and then coming down with a thud on the deed, which makes it virtually tantamount to, oh yeah, correct this, Jeeves. Very good, sir. I tell you, I have everything nicely lined up. Would you, um, would you, would you, well, would you, uh, would you care to hear what, uh, what steps I have taken? Very much, sir. Well, then listen. Tonight at dinner, I have recommended Tape to lay off the food. Sir? Touch, Jeeves. Surely you can follow the idea, even though it is one that would never have occurred to you yourself. Have you forgotten that telegram I sent to Gassie Fignottle, steering him away from the sausages and ham? This is the same thing. Pushing the food away untasted is a universally recognised sign of love. Cannot fail to bring home the gravy. Must see that. Well, sir... I don't want to seem to be always criticising your methods of voice production, Jeeves, but I must inform you that that well, sir, of yours is in many respects fully as unpleasant as your indeed, sir. Like the latter, it seems to be tinged with a definite scepticism. It's just a lack of faith in my vision. The impression I retain after hearing you shoot it at me a couple of times is that you consider me to be talking through the back of my neck, that only a feudal sense of what is fitting restrains you from substituting it for the words says you. Oh, no, sir. Yeah, well, that's what it sounds like. Why don't you think this scheme will work? I fear Miss Angela will merely attribute Mr. Glossop's abstinence to indigestion, sir. Oh, oh you, you do, do you? Well, um, well, be that as it may, it doesn't alter the fact that you've put out the wrong coat. 
Be so good, Jeeves, as to shove that ballet black thing back in the cupboard and bring out my white mess jacket with the brass buttons. I regret to say, sir, that I inadvertently omitted to pack the garment to which you refer. I know you did, Jeeves, but I didn't. You'll find it on a chair in the hall in a brown paper parcel. You might just slide down and fetch it, will you? Very good, sir. Right ho, Jeeves. do you think you're wearing? The, the jacket, you mean? If that's what you call it. You look like one of the chorus of male guests at Abernethy Towers in Act Two of a touring musical comedy. You do not admire this jacket? I do not. You did at Cannes. Well, this is in Cannes. But, but dash it, I... Oh, never mind. Let it go. If you want to give my butler a laugh, what does it matter? What does anything matter now? Oh, tails up, Aunt Dahlia. Tails up be dashed. I've just been talking to Tom. Telling him? No, listening to him. I haven't had the nerve to tell him yet. Is he still upset about that income tax money? Upset is right. He says that civilization is in the melting pot and that all thinking men can read the writing on the wall. What wall? Old Testament, ass. Belshazzar's feast. Oh, yes, yes. That. I've often wondered how that gag was worked. With mirrors, I expect. I wish I could use mirrors to break it to Tom about this Baccarat business. I don't see why you didn't mention that you lost the money at Baccarat. What do you suggest, then? Letting Milady's boudoir join civilization in the melting pot? Because that is what it will infallibly do unless I get a cheque by next week. The printers have been showing a nasty spirit for months. You don't follow. Listen, it's an understood thing, I take it, that Uncle Tom foots the boudoir bills. If the ballet has been turning the corner for two years, must have got used to forking out by this time, simply ask him for the money to pay the printers. I did. Just before I went to Cannes. Wouldn't he give it to you? Certainly he gave it to me. He brassed up like an officer and a gentleman. That was the money I lost at Baccarat. Oh. I didn't know that. There isn't much you do know. Hmm. I've got it. There is only one course to pursue. Eat less meat. Oh, must you drivel, Bertie. Won't you stop it just this once, just for tonight, to please Aunt Dahlia? I'm not drivelling. I dare say that to a man of your high standards it doesn't come under the head of drivel, but... It's all right. Have no misgivings. This is the real Tabasco. And I said eat less meat. What I meant was that you must refuse your oats at dinner tonight. Just sit there looking blistered and, and wave away each course as it comes with a weary gesture of resignation. You see what will happen. Uncle Tom will notice your lack of appetite, and I am prepared to bet that at the conclusion of the meal he will come to you and say, Dahlia, darling, I take it he calls you Dahlia, or Dahlia, darling, Dahlia, darling, he will say, I noticed at dinner tonight that you were a bit off your feet. Is anything the matter, Dahlia, darling? Why, yes, Tom, darling, you will reply. It is very kind of you to ask, darling. The fact is, darling, I am terribly worried. My darling, he will say very tenderly, is there anything I can do for you? To which your reply will be that there jolly well is, viz, reach for his checkbook and start writing. But, Bertie, this is positively bright. I told you Jeeves wasn't the only fellow with a brain. I believe it would work. It's bound to work. I've recommended it to Tuppy. Young Glossop. In order to soften Angela. Splendid. And to Gassie Finknottle, who wants to make a hit with a basket. Well, well, well. What a busy little brain it is. Always working, Aunt Darley. Always working. You're not the chump I took you for, Bertie. Did you ever take me for a chump? Oh, sometime last summer. I forget what gave me the idea. Yes, Bertie. The scheme is bright. 
I suppose, as a matter of fact, Jeeves suggested it. Jeeves did not suggest it. I resent these implications. Jeeves had nothing to do with it whatsoever. Well, all right. No need to get excited about it. Yes, I think it will work. Tom's devoted to me. Who wouldn't be? I'll do it. Superb, our dear. Superb. And now, to dinner. Well, hello, Angela, dear. Bertie, darling, lovely to see you again. Gussie. No. Tuppy. Bertie. And Uncle Tom, so very glad to be back at Brinkley Court, my dear old man. <laughs> ah, well said. Now then, what's Anatole got for us tonight? If the Bridgehox pleasantalies will be frozen for the current clock, I will be explaining the crop. Splendid, old man. What have you got? Do shut up, Bertie, and let the man speak. As is known, I am a genie. Does he mean genius? I've never asked. Tonight, as all the genies do, I have tried the newt. Newt? Newt. Newt? Newt. Newt in our chavin. Not before accomplished. Ah, the new... That is the what's that I have been saying. Tonight I am the artist, and your small intestines are being my canvas. There shall be no prologuing. Every course shall be a surprise. A new recipe to be delivered, unprompted, and anew for unto the happiness of your bowels. I have put into the cooking my heart of chest and soles of feet. Jolly good show. Do not be the interrupting. I await with maximalized eagerness your feeding of the back and smiles. May your evening be the hooting and the hollowing. Au revoir and bon appétit. Well, someone's keen. It is difficult to believe that there can be anyone who gives our dear Mr. Glossop a rent for his money when it comes to enthusiasm for food. Yet here we are. Behave. If you say so, Father. I think we're all just a tad tense on empty stomachs, eh? And I bet you anything that every single tension in this household more or less comes down to the age-old temptation that brought Eve to the apple. Hunger. Is that how you read Genesis? Well, I understand there's some sort of reptilian element also present, but we hardly need to concern ourselves with that now. Now, I say a good meal is just what we need, eh, Tuppy? Aunt Dahlia? Well then, let's tuck in. This has been part one of our adaptation of Right Ho Jeeves. Right Ho Jeeves was written and directed by Delmarta Blanche and produced by me, Amina Hamid. And starring Pavan Rao as Jeeves, Delmarta Blanche as Bertie Worcester, Sam Rippon as Gussie Finknottle, Anna Chedham Cooper as Aunt Dahlia, Alan Phillip as Tuppy Glossop, Josie Stevens as Madeline Bassett, Hannah Fleming-Brown as Angela Travers, Eddie Keenan as the Headmaster, Purvis and Seppings, and Percy Fergent as Anatole. (laughs) 